Whiteboards Are, a podcast by educators about all things education. So anybody that knows a teacher or has ever known a teacher, which should be everybody, right? Um, Yes. I think it's universally known. Unless you're like that kid from Room. Is that too much of a reference? The what? Okay, unless you've been locked in a small room your whole life. Then yes, you should. Sorry, that's a dark way to start. Let's cut that. You you start over. Yeah, start over. I think it's universally known and accepted that teachers are underpaid or paid very little. Um, So we're going to discuss that topic, the pay of teachers. So for the, for people who don't know, and it's not the same everywhere, but most schools pay, they have a, a minimum pay that teachers come in at, and you make more as a teacher by, by being a teacher longer. So every year you get a set number of dollars. It's kind of supposed to cover cost of living. Um, and unfortunately, in some places, it doesn't cost or cover cost of living. And then as you increase the amount of education that you have as a teacher, you start to make more money. So if you acquire more degrees, more education, um, you start making more money and that's more lucrative. Um, And that's how teachers make more money. They can also take on extra duty stipends. So let's say you're a coach, you can uh, make some more money that way, or you um, lead the band or a club, something like that. Um, You can acquire more money. But teachers generally do not make more money dependent on how good or bad they are. Like everybody's more or less making the same money as long as they have the same experience and same education. So, which is very unique. Like we have the conversation of why we can't keep good teachers. Well, they're like, it doesn't matter how good you are. You will be paid as much as the worst teacher at your experience in education. I also think since you were giving like a a good range of context, I think something that we could point out for our state, since we are all teachers in Missouri, is that Missouri does not require a higher degree for teachers, um, which some states do. Like as soon as you start teaching within, you have a 10 year clock to get your master's or something like that. Um, Missouri is not one of those states. However, some school districts will have caps on pay for bachelor's level teachers. So like you will exhaust your pay scale like increase. Yeah. And yeah. somewhere, let's say, I'd, I'd say the average range is somewhere between 10 and 18, like somewhere in there, that number will cut off. It's pretty wide I, I, It is, but like I've seen 18 and I've seen 10. Right. Which on a fundamental level, that makes sense, right? You want your educators to continue their education so that way they can continue in the practice of teaching you know, what's the latest, what's good. Um, So I can understand the need of, okay, well, we're going to cap that to promote you getting your master's or getting a specialist degree. The issue with that is the money does not equal how much intuition you will pay in order to receive that degree. They're not the same. And if you're in a school district that will like give you supplemental pay to help cover, like you're extremely fortunate. And those are rare and rare. So when I, like when I first entered into education, the adults in my life, like my father, for example, other adult teachers that I had had that knew I wanted to be a teacher encouraged me. They were like, you need to find a district that will compensate you for getting a higher degree. Well, those districts almost don't exist anymore. 
Um, and in fact, if you go into an interview and you ask about funds for continuing education, they'll say like, oh, well, that's why we have our vertical ladder. No, mm, horizontal ladder, wherein you get paid more per year for having your, um, your increased education. But like Amanda was saying, that doesn't, they don't balance out. No. So I think you get $800 more. For having a master's? It depends on Yeah, so, yeah depending well, on the school. It's per step. So, like, yeah. for example, it'd be, like, BS plus 8 is 800. BS plus 16 is 800. MS yeah. is another 800. Yeah. So you're talking maybe, like, 24. Yeah, so, like, $2,400. But I think, for me, um, with my debt from my bachelor's degree, I've got about $41,000 in debt. Currently, that's with my bachelor's and my master's combined. I'm not making $41,000 extra um, for having a master's degree. Well, and so I'm incredibly fortunate. I don't have any student debt, Um, but I am currently putting myself through my doctorate program. Doctorate hours are obviously the most expensive ones because the cost of tuition per credit hour goes up the fancier your degree level. Um, but my tuition is about $3,300 a semester and that's fall, spring, and summer. So that $2,400 that I'll get in three years, because oftentimes you can only go up one vertical step per year. No, one horizontal step. (laughs) You can only go across one horizontal step per year. That $2,400 that I'll finally get up to in three years is still not covering one singular semester or one singular semester of graduate level tuition. So there's obviously that translates to 10 grand a year. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I guess I should have mentioned this earlier. So in, in most States, there's a minimum pay for all teachers. So teachers are guaranteed to make a flat minimum rate. So let's say that number is, you know, $35,000, which is actually more than. Yeah. Which it's not in Missouri. (laughs) But just, it's a nice even number. And then every school district can then improve upon that if they so wish. Smaller school districts struggle. Larger school districts um, are able to pay more. And then the school districts are also able to determine experience raises. So what do teachers get every single year? And they can also determine how much they give based off of education. So school districts have some flexibility there. And there are different philosophies of should we reward experience more to keep people here or should we promote um, moving across the pay scale to really promote um, education more and and everybody approaches it differently some places kind of adjust the amount so if you stay longer it starts to accrue more so instead of adding 500 every year maybe it slowly turns into 550 and 560 or, or like 600 um, so there, there's definitely some flexibility in different ways to approach it. But I think one of the things that scares people off is, is teacher base pay, right? Because most people start at the bottom and maybe they come in with a master's degree, but that's still really like you have a master's degree. Right. There's you, no other field where your master's degree will get you so little dollars. Right. Yes. Right. And I think when Sam and I started, because we both started the same year, I want to say our salary was 27, eight, 27, I was going to say 27, five. So 27, somewhere in five. There. Yeah. Somewhere was in our there. base pay um, was our base pay. Um, and for nine months of work to clarify, yes. not 12, 
for nine months. For nine worth. months worth. <laughs> um, and I want to say poverty line is right around twenty four thousand, depending on where you're from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were just maybe slightly above the poverty line. I mean, there were times where Sam and I have openly discussed applying for food stamps to make ends meet as educators. And I can remember that first year I had $15 in my bank account when all was said and done with bills and things like that. Yeah. And here's another crazy thing. Like most people don't realize, and especially new teachers. So most schools start in August, but your first paycheck isn't coming until September. Like, like teachers who have been around, they're going to get an August paycheck. Yeah. From, from the, the previous month. But if you're a new teacher, you're really teaching for a month until you get a paycheck. And that's really, really tough. I forgot all that and fundamental struggle because there aren't that many new teachers in my life right now. Like sure. Like Amanda and I moved districts, for example, but we do, we get that August benefit from, you know, your previous district and move after being an unpaid intern. Right. right. Like as a, as a student teacher, yeah. and because that's, you're literally being a teacher, a full-time job. And it's really difficult to hold down an actual paying job and also be an effective teacher. Well, and they tell you they don't want you to. Right. Like right. when you're going through your pre-service program, they're like, it will be immensely difficult for you to work and student teach at the same time. We would prefer you not have a job. And I, I used my, I well, yeah, I used to. a credit card um, in right. order to pay for my life while I sure. student taught. I quit my job um, that semester, whatever, in December, whatever. I quit my job so that I could student teach and make that my full-time thing. But the consequence was of that was I used a credit card and I racked out racked up probably about six or seven thousand dollars in debt in that semester to pay for my housing and things like that. Well, it's four months. It's it's four months of bills, four months of living, four months of eating. So in other words, uh, we should probably pay student teachers or have some sort of provide some. Yeah. Provide some sort of basic income, some basic food stamps program. I don't know. Something. Yeah. Like kind of what um like AmeriCorps does, were they? No, just me. What? No, I'm listening. <laughs> oh, well, I don't, I expected you to know is the problem. We have friends who work for AmeriCorps, right? And part of the, um, at least that sector at the time, was that they would pay you some, but also they essentially facilitated you taking benefit of public assistance programs. Um, and part of it, they claim, was that so you also understood the system that the people you serve have to go through. I don't know how I feel about that conceptually because also just like pay your people well, but you know, separate. separate. You know, I I think anybody who's going into teaching one, you know that you're, you're going into a low paying field. And I think there's, I shouldn't assume, but for me, it's a sense of like nobility. Like I am doing this. I'm taking on the burden of education and low pay because it's the right thing to do to give back to society, which is kind of a sick and twisted mindset to go into. (laughs) And I guess I've, I do have an issue with how low teachers are paid, but my biggest issue is the fact that my yearly adjustments in pay have nothing to do with how good I am. And the teacher that, does the absolute minimum 
which is, I guess, okay, because that's what the contract says. Hey, you have to be here at this time. You have to stay until this time, you, this many days, and they get their job done. But let's say they're really not that good of a teacher, but they can't find anybody else, so that person sticks around. You know, the, the teachers who, who's out there, like, killing it, making a difference, and forget, like, they're, forget the working extra. Okay, let's take that off the table. If you want to keep good teachers, you got to pay good teachers more. I, I think it's that simple. And I've talked to administrators and other teachers who disagree and don't think that there's a way to do this. They're like, well, that's just too subjective. Well, every other industry has found a way to determine who's more effective. And if we're evaluated by an administrator every single year, well, that should maybe play into it. Right. Like, well, and I think too, because for example, to use the business sector, I know there are places or companies where people get stellar end of year reviews and they don't see an increase in pay. Those people leave. Like, they're like, okay, well, I'm going to go work for a different company. You're telling me I'm the best. So I'm going to go work for a different company that's going to pay me for my skill. Um, and you are exactly right that in teaching, that's not really, I mean, you can work for a different district, but then you're going to be in the same system once you enter that one where you're not going to get a raise based off your individual merits. Well, and I think it's interesting. I think you should be paid based off of your effectiveness. I think if we're going to be evaluated, like you said, then I think all of us in this room would feel pretty confident that we would do well on our evaluations to a degree that would merit that. I think my concern is that takes a lot of work for admin to be unbiased and do a good job of that. And then I worry that the trap becomes, well, we'll just base it off of the EOC. We'll just base it off of the state, Missouri state testing or whatever it is. Well, it necessitates another administrator. It does. Like it does. Another person to hold down the fort while, you know, one of them goes and actually does regular reviews of classroom teaching, actually being in the classroom. I understand that that's like next to impossible especially in like smaller school districts, but really all school districts, you know, there's only so many things you can do in a day. But I, I just think that if the, if we're, if we're interested in keeping good people in the industry, then it's worth it. Right. Yeah. Like you would think you, you also have other people and other means to do this, whether it's department heads or committees and you can take some of the bias out. You can lessen the burden. Is it a perfect system? No, but there is no perfect system. No. Right. You know, and we don't want it to be just based off of cold numbers, you know, and metrics that don't really mean anything. And it's not just even what's in the classroom because it's how teachers interact with students in the hallway and, you know, how they inspire and lead students. Like there's so many things that go into it. And I would really let school districts determine that, right? Like every school district is going to approach that a little bit differently. But man, like I, I just think we're missing the ball. But, but it also goes into... Like if, if I leave a school district and I go to another one, they should have the ability to pay me more, not based off how many years I've taught or my education, but how good and effective I am, just like most other industries. Right. Well, and too, there are things like, for example, you can become a national board certified educator, which is supposed to be this like very fancy indicator or whatever. For what? It cost $1,800 to become a board certified educator. And that's if you pass everything the first time. Um, and, and what is it for? Like if they're not going to, cause they could even do simple things like that. You could have dual pay scales for like your qualifications as an individual, 
if we were just going to open the door of merit-based pay, obviously it could get better from there. Um, but like, what, what is the incentive? And I wonder how many actual board certified teachers there are anymore, because why am I going to save $1,800 to just put some like letters on after my name on top of also getting a master's degree and a doctorate degree? Like what is, what is it for? The community, the parents, board members, it's not like they suddenly respect you more because of those things. It doesn't make your job easier. Yeah, hopefully it makes you a better educator. Like, that's the goal of those things. Whether it does or not, I think, is another question. Well, and the only place I ever even see it is if you're applying for jobs. There's, like, one page out of your, you know, 27 Applitrack pages you click. And it goes, are you a board-certified educator? And you say yes or you say no. And that's the only, like, that's the only place I've ever seen it come up. Yeah, I've just, I've seen enough teachers at this point that are, that have higher education or like some fancy certification, but only for the express purpose of like moving up the pay scale. And that just doesn't serve the purpose of education. Like that's not why you go and get your master's or do further. Yes. It's very transactional education and it sets up these retail master's degrees that like, don't which, serve a purpose which i will admit that i totally <laughs> tried to take advantage of one in that like i want to get this done as quickly as possible i really don't care if i get anything about you know anything of use out of it or not like i just want the degree so that i can do the next thing like it really wasn't even about pay it undermines the legitimacy of further education like if i had the time and resources i'd absolutely go seated you know, the local university, because I feel like I would get something out of it. But given the situation that I was in, I needed, needed to get it done as quickly as possible. Well, and I have a friend who I adore, um, but she is essentially, so you can get your, you know, it's like we, I was saying before, your BS plus eight, your BS plus 16 pay scales. She's not trying to get a master's degree. There's a school that will, she gives them essentially whatever it is, a credit hour. And she takes like almost seminar classes and I'm using classes with like the biggest of air quotes. And then this guy will give you your credits. And now you have your like your plus 16. And right. I, I love her, but we've had some talks about how like I really disagree with that. And like I don't blame her for doing it because get your money. Like that's sure. it's right. you know. There's the um, too big of a conversation that that opens up where really all of this is driven by the what's outside of the profession, the, like the pressure to like, what do we need money for? Well, to literally survive, you know, but that's like larger economic discussions that I don't think fall within the scope of this podcast, but still, you know, it's worth bearing consideration that the, the rising consumer price index, like things like that ultimately have that adverse effect on us whenever like that $400 raise that I get each year, what, what does that break down to percentage wise? <clears throat> A month? Well, no, 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 I'm talking percentage-wise. It's like a, what, like 0.1% increase, like, or whatever it is. Let's say $40,000, I'm going up $400, you know? So the 0.1% increase when, like, cost of living is going up, like, 7% or whatever right now. Like, all of it's just, like, arbitrary numbers. It's like, well, this is what we can spare for you this year. It's like, I, I said it in, like, one of our previous episodes, but, like, we declare the importance of something in, as a society by what we do or do not like teach our children, if we're not even going to teach them, if we're not going to invest in teaching them, you know, then no, what is, what is important? Making money, making money is what's important. And that's, that, it's found its way into the, into the conversation about teacher pay. We've, I think we've all been in 
meetings at a district level talking about teacher pay and talking to board members or, you know, setting up those conversations to advocate for more pay. And one thing that was pretty consistent is that, well, if we increase, you know, base pay, it's going to cause a deficit spend for the school district. <laughs> and that's, I mean, a pretty common, like year after year was, was an excuse. It was, that was directed to the board. And we didn't like year after year, we added to our reserves and that school district, I think is currently really close to 50% reserves. So that means of their annual budget, 50% of it is just sitting in the bank. Um, so if a school, well, this school had an $8 million budget, so they have close to $4 million just sitting there that's not being spent on students or teachers right? and really or students. facilities or, or supplies or, or right. Uh -huh. yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. Like people are leaving this industry and pay absolutely is part of it. Like the more you're paid, the more you can endure. I think, you know what I mean? But you get summers off. <laughs> nine years yeah. or nine months. I saw, I saw a summer. Twitter post that was like, uh, would you flip burgers for $300,000 a year? Oh, so it's not work that's the issue. It's the pay. Exactly. I'd flip burgers. For, well, and for that's kind of the thing, right? Like I love teaching most of the time. I love parts of teaching all of the time. Um, <laughs> however, I, if nobody paid me, I wasn't, I wouldn't keep, Teaching, like I have right. to have a job. Right. Again, that outside pressure. Yeah. Right. How many of you had to work a second job while teaching? Oh, yeah. Definitely. I still do. Um, I, well, and I look at that as also the stipend things. Those are extra jobs. Like right. whether they're through the school or not, those are extra duties that all of us around the table have taken on. Keeps you at school till 10 o'clock at the, night. Yeah. The, to compensate for the lack of our salary. You know, like, yeah, it may be only 800 bucks, but that's $800 that, you know, allows me to get groceries this week or whatever the case may be. So to any new teachers or people entering the field, one look at extra duty stipends and there might be a, an option to make some more money. But at the same time, if you're going to look into those, have the conversation about the amount of time that's required to meet the obligation of that stipend because in my experience, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them you become upside down on in the time investment versus the dollar. Return. Oh yes. You get down to like $5 an hour. Right. That you're getting paid um, track coach. So be aware of that. Uh, you know, there, there are definitely some, like some head coaching stipends are really lucrative, but well, it, pretty much any coaching stipend, you're spending a ton of time, club yeah. advisors, yeah. things like that. Um, and it's not always, it's not always worth it. That's percentage right. or bust. Yeah. yeah. Like a number of years before that as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, for me, for one of my stipends to run the leadership student council organization, it was the lowest club stipend for a long time. And that didn't like dissuade me from what I did. Be, but I was into leadership and student council when I was in high school <laughs> 20 years ago. So I think I'm kind of the, the rarity in that. But I think most people, they would see that low dollar amount. Like, well, you're only going to get a low amount from me, which is perfectly acceptable. Right. Yeah. I think what I did was kind of like looking back on it, like, well, well, that was not, it didn't make a lot of sense 
financially for me or my family. Um, no, especially because <laughs> did you or did you not invest a considerable amount of your own money into your Oh, absolutely. Um, like uh, some would argue more than the stipend would oh, pay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So when I, when I left teaching, I was in a, a space where I was not uh, anything tangible that I paid for. I was taking, I, Absolutely. Which makes sense, but there's also this guilt of like, well, this is, you know, the students really needed this to make whatever, whatever project operate, you know, the sound system, the speakers, the microphones, you know, all the DJ equipment, um, without the, the exception of the giant monitors, um, were mine, but I'm, I made a point to, to take those and I'm like, this is a lot of money. It is. It is a lot of money. And now my daughters get to have an absolute blast. (laughs) (laughs) DJ. That's right. (laughs) No, knock. (laughs) Um, And there is the, I always felt like there was this pressure, like if, if you really need something, like you probably should just pay for it yourself. Like school supplies and it's things just, like that. Well, and it's, it's just easier. There's so much bureaucracy That's, affiliated yeah. with inside school money. Like even if the money is there, you can only buy things at certain times. You can only get access to the money at certain times. Eric even ran into this with what the t-shirts like are dry cleaning. Something yeah. that happened where like a dry cleaner had your band uniforms because you couldn't like pay for them or something? Oh, like, well, the PO was approved, but, um, yeah, the dry cleaner place wouldn't take my PO. So I had to go bother our central office lady about like, Hey, I need the actual physical check. Like I'm supposed to, like, I have to do it that way. She's like, Oh, well the board meeting. So now we have to wait for the board meeting for the check to get approved. And then she can give me the check. So then I can go to the dry cleaner cause they weren't uh, willing to like work with me on it basically. So I don't know. That's between the bureaucracy, but also the dry cleaner. I'm like, right. But you're just trying to run a program and also they have your uniforms. Like, you know, like this is the band needs the uniforms to do the things. One of the things that I just, man, it just bothers me on every level on federal taxes. Teachers can claim $250, (laughs) which is nothing. That's That's what I spent at the beginning of the year to get ready. Usually is about that. I mean, during COVID, like there was no, like the school didn't have supplies for like hand sanitation and things like that. Like, because everybody was out and they waited, you know, so teachers are buying things like that. I mean, I don't know how many dry erase markers I've purchased over the years. And tissues, tissues, Tissues. Kleenex. Oh man. If you want to be nice to your teachers and you're a parent (laughs) or something, please send your child with like 40 boxes, a a pile, just as many as you can get. I don't even care if they're bad or not. Just Kleenexes. I mean, it's a box a day. Genuinely. It's a box a day. And it like blows my mind that that's like a fundamental thing that everybody knows that classrooms, like, I feel like it's almost like a meme. If there was a meme in education, the dire need for tissues and like, why don't I have them? Why does not somebody buy them for me? They're not for me to use. Coca-Cola can set up a bunch of like deals with education. (laughs) No, 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 for real. Like if if we're going to have like corporate partnerships with like school districts, like why not something that we actually need? You mean you don't want the calendar with February spelled wrong on it? I thought you meant we were going to use Coca-Cola sponsored Kleenex. (laughs) No, I just mean like, like like, okay, we'll call them. Kleenex could be that, that. 
right. partner. Yeah. You know, I, I would mean? say that and Clorox wipes. I really like Clorox wipes. But like meaningful partnership, not just partnership that allows for them to <laughs> make like, a wait, wait. freaking commercial about it and like <laughs> spend millions of dollars bragging about like, <laughs> oh, we get yeah, this school just district. tapping into what I'm doing right now. <laughs> 10, 000, oh, my <laughs> whole media. Sorry. Totally get it. Totally get it. Um, so yeah, back to teacher pay though. Uh, I think it also is interesting because in Texas, they are going to a merit-based pay system. I saw this on TikTok. You well, know. yeah, that way if they teach any news. of that CRT, um, can make sure they don't get paid. Yeah, well, and Texas but is like leading educators. The but. thing is, they are doing it based off of testing. They like they have interesting. Said, That's the easy option. Well, and it's because they couldn't come up with any viable solution to how they would do it. Although five minutes into our conversation, we said, well, here's how you would do it. Um, Texas, if you're listening, we're ready. <laughs> We've Texas. got it for you. I don't know if I want to work with Texas. Uh, yeehaw. <laughs> I, you know, I, I hope it works for teachers there. I, I think, you know, I think there will obviously be roadblocks. You know, I think tying it to testing is weird because if it's, I mean, students can choose not to do well. I mean, let's, let's be honest. If, if I said, Hey, you have to come take a test for an hour and a half and you feel bad and you haven't eaten and your parents haven't been home and you have to work multiple jobs. Like those are all real things for students. And then for us to say, Hey, you need to come in here and do really well on this test today. Like that's, it's not your priority. It, you know, you're just trying to get through life and well, and some students are just out to corrupt the system and they're going to intentionally tank the test and that should have no bearing on any teacher. Or while they're taking the test, a ceiling tile falls on their head <laughs> um, or crickets right. rain down on them. Yeah. I mean, there are other external factors that play into your test taking ability. It, it comes to a matter also of just trusting the adult in the room to be able to make like a good decision or a good uh, verification, a good assessment of what a teacher should be paid. Right. Like, again, like you mentioned before, like other private sector business, like every private sector business, like they figured out how to have a boss that makes those decisions. Now, I mean, there's arguments for and against that as a system, but still there's an adult in the room, like the administrator who we should be able to trust them. Hopefully we've done our, our due diligence of making sure we had the right board members that can make the right decisions in hiring administration. And then that extends down into the actual staff that's hired. But well, and I'm kind of, so before we started this episode, I was like, well, I'm kind of in a weird place with teacher pay because I have been like Amanda was talking about before in a place where my pay was in no way sufficient to fund my life. And now I kind of am like, I, I don't feel unnecessarily stressed for money. What's, what's that I, like? I know, I know. <laughs> However, but just like go over all the things that pay me money. Like I have my job as a classroom teacher, right? I teach virtually for an outside school district, um, which was optional on my part. I teach virtually for my own school district, which is like additional money, but I didn't really choose to do. That was more what I was voluntold to do. Um, and then I'm the Scholar Bowl coach. And the assistant speech and debate coach. So, like, yeah, I feel pretty financially secure right now, but also I'm very tired. Like, so there's not the, again, the time investment for which you get back financially. 
if, if we don't like balance those things out, it's going to be impossible to keep people in the field. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Why well, would people that do was, it? That was my burnout. I mean, I left my previous district because I literally did everything. And at some point I had to say this, this isn't worth my mental health. And then luckily, you know, Sam had a position open up at her school and I joined her and I'm making more money to do less work in my current life. Because the funding is based on like the businesses, like by the, the property taxes are what fund the schools, which is like an entire other form of gentrification, you know, bigger, <laughs> so bigger true. issues yes. outside so pressure yes. again. Mm-hmm. But like the fact, especially with my school district, like we have the landfill that not only does not pay those property taxes, but it devalues all of the land around it, which means there's even less money going into it. You mean you don't want to live next to trash? I never, typically not. Oh, you never considered that. Yeah, no, that's what makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And they they buy more land. So like Eric's school district is essentially getting consumed by the landfill, the non-property tax landfill. At a small school district, in, in your case, like I really ties into the conversation of like consolidation too uh, right yeah um but that's maybe another big time controversy too <laughs> yeah, so yeah, i mean i don't think for us but for, for other people yeah. pulling administrator stocks with superintendent or somebody or a school board member about that kind of thing well and with teacher pay too i think the other conversation is the other spectrum of of, of this is firing okay so now we're talking teacher pay can we also use that for grounds for firing teachers? And what about teacher tenure if we're going to do this? Do you think teacher tenure should still exist? I always think teacher tenure is so weird because, like, I don't even feel like it's a thing. Like, right. I don't what, – what does tenure get me? People are always, like, on a legislative level up in arms over tenure. What does tenure get me other than, like, two more pieces of paperwork to fire me? You can still fire a tenured teacher. Like, there's no – and at a college level, tenure gets you stiff. But at the high school, K through 12, pre-K level, I, I don't know what it does do you for want to, for, for listeners that may not know what tenure is, do you want to explain what that is? Oh, well, essentially, it's like knew. a box. Um, yeah. So like in theory, I think, is it across all of Missouri that it's five years? Does anybody know? I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's in the same place state. for five years. Yeah. So tenure is based off individual districts. So if you move districts, your tenure does not go with you, though in a college setting it might. And then if you teach for five years, you're supposed to be reviewed by the school board. And if they feel like you're well and good, they give you the tenure stamp. And then in theory, you're not subjected to like a yearly contractual review anymore, where in years one through five, they're supposed to come into your room more. You're supposed to have a few different evaluation criteria. And then once you are tenured, you have less of that quote unquote contractual uncertainty. You've proven yourself. You've passed your probationary period. But that and goes back to like how available administrators are to be in your classroom. Right. right. And like I said, legislatively, especially in Missouri, there's always an organization that's trying to t- like take down teacher tenure. And honestly, I almost find it humorous because to what end? Because you can still there's like this uh, illusion that you cannot fire a tenured teacher that is in no way accurate. There's literally like two additional steps. I guess maybe I'm a little ignorant here. So I I was always under the assumption like, okay, tenure is created so that senior teachers can kind of advocate for students and be more vocal about certain things. And obviously, yeah, it's like they've proven themselves. You can kind of have some safety at your job and you don't have to sweat that. But 
I know that's kind of the mantle that I assumed is like, okay, I'm tenured now I can be vocal and put myself out there because I don't have to worry about the repercussions of an administrator or board member who's out to get me. So what are, do you, what are those extra pieces of paper requirements? Like if you're tenured, does it have to be related to job performance or like, does it like, um, yeah, they do have to. Okay. So like before you have tenure and again, who knows, I could be wrong, but <laughs> before you have tenure, like, especially in Missouri, Missouri's an at well state. So in the middle of your contract, your, your, um, administrator can come through and let you go for essentially any reason. Right. Um, you're supposed to have some like warning or chance to improve. Um, but if they have documentation that they've given you that warning and documentation that is very easy to create that you haven't improved, they can let you go. Right. Post tenure, you have to have like a more documented process. Um, and there's more like steps for review. Yeah, and I yeah. believe you're also entitled to a hearing yes. in front of your, um, peers and like a public hearing. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, but I, Okay. To my knowledge, that's it. Yeah, because each year the administration has to recommend you for rehire on the next contract. And once and you're tenured, they don't have to do that anymore. I want to address maybe going back to evaluation with this idea of like letting teachers go um, and like having kind of maybe simple reasons with, that aren't super well documented. Like if I feel like anybody who's been in education has maybe seen how subjective that is. Like, if that can be subjective, then so, like, we have to accept that evaluation tied to, te like, to teacher pay is also subjective, which is okay. Like, is it perfect? No. Can there be bias? Yes. In a way, it opens up the door for uh, undercutting collective bargaining, though, like with teacher unions, you know, because ultimately the system is a result of collective bargaining and trying to ensure that all teachers at least have a chance to get their feet under them. And that's where you have that base pay with, like, a regimented schedule you know horizontal and vertical and everything so and i don't i don't think that collective bargaining is necessarily something you want to get rid of i think it's important to still have like teacher unions and advocacy programs but it, you could still achieve all of that and then have like an you know increase essentially right. like not that anybody would get less than what the base pay is but yeah. if you had like mayor yeah. base pay, you could get more. So I guess that my solution, you know, for what it's worth, right? And I've not like written anything down, but in my mind, it would be everybody still gets the increase based off of experience. So let's say that's $500, just easy math. And then the school district or building has a set pool of money to expend on merit. So some teachers may not get anything and some teachers will get more like and that's okay. Like everybody's getting some increase and in whether that's, you say that's cost of living or whatever, it's every school kind of approaches that a little bit differently, but you know, it, it allows good teachers to be rewarded financially and, and supported to, to stay. Do you think that should be solely based off of what they see in the classroom or what that teacher does holistically? So do you think it would be, because like for me, I'm flying under the radar, meaning I don't have any <laughs> extracurriculars. I don't go to things unless I have to because of my own burnout from last year. I have really intentionally said I'm not staying after school. I'm not coming in before right. school. I think it has to be tied to contract time. 
right? Like if you want to say, okay, well, these stipend duties can also go through a similar process of merit-based pay, totally fine. But as much as I was the, well, we were all the teachers that were there after school and we were at so many different things that shouldn't be required to achieve the, the merit-based pay. Like it should be based on your time as a teacher you know, extra duty stuff can have its own requirement. And I think it should be able to scale up based off how well you do at, at that. But in my mind, it would be, you know, contract time, class. Well, not just classroom, but like, you know, all the things that you're doing at school. Just spitballing. I'm, I'm imagining like almost a points-based system, you know, where it's like, well, this is what you do. Like the NEE scores are already like one through seven. Right. And so whatever your average NEE score is, that's, you know, points one through seven. And you have your your scaled pay based off of that that goes in addition to what the base pay is, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's a very valid way to approach it. Obviously, it's going to be different based on how a a district approaches evaluation. Missouri kind of has their like, hey, everybody needs to be evaluated based off these things. And then it can obviously be subjective because teachers kind of pick like, hey, also evaluate me on this one thing um i think it's tough like there will always be some gray area with that because what if one teacher is like perfect scores and then one teacher's like just misses perfect score like you know does the perfect teacher get like exponentially more pay? <laughs> like some of that's some of that's tough and it's right but those are the things that like i think it's worth looking into that yeah, developing you know, a plan to right, see if it is feasible. Right. Absolutely. And there are industries that do this. It's not as though the plan has to even be made from scratch. <laughs> I think there's a lot of really creative ways to do it. Like there are other non-private sector industries that are still paid based off performance. And that like, it, it just feels a little archaic to me. Well, and we are an industry. I think that's the other thing is school is an industry. And if you don't think it is, go to business school because this is, it is, it, uh, it is getting money. I take issue with that because schools are not a business. I mean, but they, uh, they operate are run over like one. organizational structures, just like a business okay. would. I yeah, fully I agree that a school is yeah. not a business, right? But not, like it's a, it's a sector, a it's an industry. to turn from a school. Sure. Like schools, right. like... You, you don't lose money on schools. They just cost money to operate. Like, like the return is the fact you have an education. The profit populace. is knowledge. Right. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> but Which that's is like but so intangible. School yeah, lunch program so should be pulling. Those French fries. Ask yeah. the right company. They absolutely think it should. Like well, it shouldn't yeah. exist unless it's benefiting the stock market or something stupid. Sorry, man. I'm trying not to get fired up about the wrong things here. Right. I'm just staying focused up. on what. I mean, I've previously said in recording that we have done that if you don't invest in something financially, if you don't financially invest in something, it doesn't make any sense that you would see improvement in that system. And the same is true for educators. If you like, we have to make money to live in the system that has been created for us that we did not create for ourselves. Um, So... If you want better educators, you're going to have to pay them better. Make like, the pay it's competitive. A clear, logical progression. Um, I loved what I did. Like, I loved the impact that I made as a teacher. I loved the collaborative aspects of it. Are there parts of it I didn't enjoy? Absolutely. Um, 
But one of the reasons I had to leave the industry is like looking towards retirement. Yeah, you can retire earlier as a teacher, you know, depending on all the circumstances of state and blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, I'm retiring, like, but I'm not like, I'm still gonna have to work. Like, and I, it's not that I'm afraid to work, but it's like, what income potential am I just giving up by being a teacher? And, and that affects what I can provide for my family. It affects like the stability of my future because everything else is increasing on a very different curve than teacher pay. And it starts to get real scary. And something I, I didn't even think about until now, you, I think in your life would almost have a, a harder comparison because you have a spouse who is maybe paid <laughs> more appropriately for her time, right? right? So you have that comparison in your life. Eric and I, we struggle together, but we don't see like outside numbers, right? And I think in some ways almost that makes it easier for us. Like this is a shared, like there is nothing to compare it to. This is what we do. Yeah, like this, this is what people do. Having somebody to compare it to in like a business yeah. sector, I think would make it very difficult. Very difficult. Or my uh, lovely wife. She's awesome. She is awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. She works in uh, the financial sector. I mean, she's, and she doesn't, she doesn't have a business background or anything. She has a very similar leadership background that I did. We kind of grew up within the same organization and did a lot of the same things. And she has a uh, bachelor's degree in psychology and her master's degrees in student affairs. She wanted to work on a university campus and help students study abroad and those studying here in the U S but she found a great company that kind of supported her while she was going through school and they recognized her ability to be a leader. And they really invested in her. And along, like over the 15 years that she's worked there, I mean, she has had compensation adjustments that were more than my teacher salary. Woo. And, uh, you know, there's you times where we would have conversations. She's like, I just don't feel like I'm making an impact and I really envy what you do. And I'm like, I'm really envious that you are getting or you're recognized for what you do as teachers. That, yeah, we hear thank you a lot, but it's never she kisses back to yeah, yeah. We <laughs> get knows. we get lots of tokens, but at the end of the day, you know, saying thank you with dollars, like not, and maybe that sounds terrible, right? But, like it's not, it's but it not, is our job. We're in it about the money, but I do need to live. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and right now it's not going very well for me. So yeah, it's and there were times where my wife wouldn't even want to tell me what her compensation adjustment is because she felt bad based off what I did and what she knew I was doing. I mean, I, I had one of my evaluations that was flat, perfect scores. And honestly, I was really kind of upset. I'm like, well, what does this even mean? Because it doesn't, I don't get anything extra. The, the teacher that got like the bare minimum of like keeping their job is making the same amount of money as you, me. You get not fired is what right. you get. But I mean, even the people that are scoring really low are still getting also get not, not fired. fired. <laughs> the rules are made up. When I got my uh, accolade last year for MSTA's teacher of the year, like there, there was not, well, I, I didn't even have my picture taken. You know what I mean? Like, it, like there, there's some of that where it's like, I appreciate the thank you. And I really appreciate them from like students and parents. Oh, those mean so much more. But from a school board member or an administrator that's making significantly more money than me and I'm spending a heck of a lot more time. Like three times what I make. Like your thank you really doesn't 
and maybe that's ungrateful and spiteful, but no, no, that's fine. I'm like, you have the ability to improve my life a lot, a lot more, you know, cause we're out here and we all are doing so much for these kids. And, and we, and it's not just being teachers, pseudo parents, we're Mentors. therapists and you know, it's not that we went into this business to do those things, but we're called upon to do those things by the students, by their families, by the community. So um, we all deserve more. Well, and I think that last thing that you said is such a good, like, if I was going to have a call to action in this, in this episode, it really is for building leadership, district leadership. It is within your power to do better. And like, if you're sitting there thinking that you can't, you're wrong. So teacher pay is definitely a hot button issue. I hope people listen and, and take this to heart. They can make a change. And, you know, if you've never thought about being a part of a school district, you can always run for school board and advocate for teachers. You've got great people out there doing great things and we need to support them and keep them in the industry and attract other people. Here, here. Meeting adjourned. If you have any comments, questions, uh, topic suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address. It is WTWA at 277media.com, where the whiteboards are, WTWA at 277media.com. Join us for our next episode as we talk about how teachers stay positive. Thanks for listening to Where the Whiteboards Are. The opinions expressed in our podcast are that of the individuals and do not represent the opinions of their employers, school districts, or communities in which they work. Trust me.